0: I wonder if in in our days and in this season we are familiar with all kinds of hardships and difficulties in a way that perhaps we are more aware of now than we have been in previous years. But I suspect we're not that familiar with what it means to be starving. With what it means to experience intense hunger. Uh, Other generations have been, other parts of the world are. I was um I was hearing this last week about the great famine in China, 1959 to 1961. I'm looking around, some of you might remember it, not sure, not sure how old people are. It was one of the greatest man-made disasters in living memory, utterly devastated their country. At least 36 million died, some would say many, many more than that. And people resorted in all kinds of awful ways to dealing with the hunger. Have a listen to one survivor. From the time. They said the worst thing that we ate were cakes made of a kind of white clay. They called it immortal earth. It had a sandy texture. Since we were so hungry in those days, people would mix the white clay with some water and make pancakes and cook them. We used to fill our stomach with that. Can you imagine that? Making pancakes out of earth. And it would fill their stomachs and there were a few nutrients, but but they ended up starving. And actually, worse than that, it turned out it was going to be bad for them. It caused other problems as well. It, it sped their deaths in many ways. And when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, we don't quite get it. Don't get me wrong, bread is nice. It's not that nice. We might rave about a sourdough from the Hamblin on the Ify Road. You, perhaps you queue up in the morning for it's a bit of a luxury. Or it's the kind of thing you have at the restaurants, and they bring it to you before you get the main meal, before you actually get the food that you're hoping to eat. They give you a bowl full of bread to keep you busy while you're picking. Of course, in Jesus' day, bread was far more important. The point he's making in these verses and through this passage more generally is that he is the bread for life. Jesus is the bread for life. Let me try and help you see why. Have a look down the the background to the story comes from the people of Israel as they wandered through the wilderness. Do you remember it? They, they left Egypt really quickly, they packed up all their stuff, they gathered all their belongings, they, they filled their bellies at the Passover meal, and then they fled. But what do you do when you're travelling through the desert and you've not got much food? There's nothing to harvest, it's, it's a wilderness. You can't bring much food with you. There are no ice bags, no vacuum packing, no space for perishables. Anything you manage to pack with you will be rotten in the next few days. And so they grumbled. And God provided manna for them. Verse 49, your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. And that meant they lived. Without the manna they would die. With the manna from God they lived. Imagine you were there in in the desert and your, your tummy was empty and it had been a while since you last ate and you were beginning to dream of vegetables from Egypt and you were starving and you woke the next morning and there on the earth was some kind of a bread from heaven that you could eat. And there were nutrients to keep you alive, it nourished you and it kept you going just through the next day. And the bread from God was literally what you needed. It was the difference between life and death. And maybe we begin to get a little bit of what Jesus is getting at. Bread for us, not that exciting, or, or a bit of a luxury if we get poshed off. For them it was life, it was the staple they needed. You would work all day for bread to eat to keep you alive for another day. Or well, you would eat the bread from the Lord and that would keep you alive for another day. But then Jesus carries on in verse 49. They, they ate the bread but they still died. The bread got you through the next day, but eventually you would still die. It's it's life, but it's life that comes to an end. And then Jesus makes some extraordinary claims about himself. Verse 50. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Jesus says, in the desert, God gave his people bread. Now, he has given his people me. Jesus says, I am a different kind of bread. I'm not just bread for the day. No, I am bread for life. In fact, I'm bread that gives you eternal life. And you know, when... When the Bible talks about eternal life, it's not so much about the length of life or the quantity of life. It's more about the quality of life. It's a different kind of life. It's life as it was meant to be lived. It's life in relationship with the God who made us. It's knowing and being known by our Father in heaven. It's it's living with the one who made us in that relationship that we were made for. And yet it's a life that begins now and will go on. A different kind of life. The thing is, on the, on the journey of our lives, Barney was meant to be doing Duke of Edinburgh this weekend. Imagine him picking up his rucksack and what's he got in there. Imagine that's a metaphor for us in our lives. What have we got in the backpack? We we stuff all kinds of things into our backpack thinking they will be what we need to get us through the life, this life. We, we look for satisfaction, we look for nourishment, we look to be filled up with all kinds of things. And, but only really it's in Jesus that we will be truly filled. Only he is the one that we really need through this journey. Only in Jesus do we have true life. And we think, I'll have another dollop of that, and I'll be satisfied, and, and that will be good as well. And That didn't work last time, but it's bound to you this time. And I can't look into your heart and see what the that is for you. But what are the things that you think will provide? What are the things you put in your backpack for life? You might not even know what it is until it's taken away from you, or it's been taken away from you. We don't realise how important it is to us at times until we find it's not there anymore. Maybe it's it's friendships. Maybe it's love. Maybe it's status or power or, or money or stuff. Success and achievements and, and letters after our name or a... A nicer house, or a bit more sleep, or some clarity on the next few months, or some clarity about COVID, or a chance to meet in groups of six or more, or or to actually hug someone. And those things are all great. However great they may be, they're not foundationally what life is about. They're not the main things we should have in our backpack. They're not the foundational thing we need. And when those things become the ultimate things, then when they become what life is about for us, we're on rocky ground. There's a, um, there's a song we don't sing at Maudlin Road yet, although I did it email Jordan this week on it. Um, we've got it on a playlist at home, on Spotify, and the chorus goes like this, and it's a good one to go round and round in your head and your heart for a while. Um, it's on the... 2016 New Word Alive, if you want to find it there. Um, and it's, The chorus goes like this, In all my sorrows, Jesus is better, make my heart believe. In all my victories, Jesus is better, make my heart believe. Than any comfort, Jesus is better, make my heart believe. More than all riches, Jesus is better, make my heart believe. Our souls declaring Jesus is better, make my heart believe. Our song eternal... Jesus is better, make my heart believe. And I find that refrain so helpful each time. Make my heart believe. Because, because our hearts, my heart is so prone to wander and run after other things. And because we're a people who are so easily tempted or duped by the other voices that say, this is what you need to put in the backpack. This is what you need for you for life. This is what will satisfy you. This is what life is about. Here's the most important thing. And I'm we so easily listen. And yet those things are not, and they never do. And it's as if we're making pancakes out of clay. And they fill us up for a time, and they seem to satisfy, but in the end they just leave us empty and ill. And they look appealing, and they provide a bit of respite, and everyone else tries them, and it seems that they're doing okay, but they're not what we need. They're not bread. And Jesus comes to us and says, I am the bread of life. I am the one who will satisfy you. I am the one you will need. I'm not going to say much this time, but just to say the I am words, perhaps you'll know, there are seven I am's in John's Gospel. Bread of life, light of the world, gates, good shepherd, resurrection and the life, the way, the truth and the life and the fire. There's seven times he will unpack this kind of picture that he explains about himself. And there are extraordinary things for a man to take upon his lips. I am is the name God gave himself. I am who I am. I will be who I will be. It's Jesus claiming authority, claiming divinity. And each time he does that, he uses a bit more of a picture to help us grasp who he is and what it means to follow him. And here he is bread. Here he is satisfaction and being filled up and being given life. If you look down there, I guess the question for us is, how... How do we eat this bread? And how does it bring us life? Um, Have a look again at the passage. It's the question those in the synagogue were asking as well. Verse 52, then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us flesh to eat? Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise them up. In the last day, for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. The living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And the answer first of all, to how he brings us life is it's because his death brings us life not just enough to have the bread, we have to eat it. We have a wooden bread bin at home in our kitchen. It's got wraps at the bottom. It's got best of both that the kids like, 50-50. It's got some posher brown stuff with seeds and nuts on it and stuff that Zoe and I like. You you might find a bit of a brioche, if you're lucky, at the back. But you can't just leave the bread there. That's not enough. If we want the nutrients, you can't just see the bread, or think about the bread, or know the bread is there, if you want to be full, if you want to have life, you've got to eat the bread. Well, so with Jesus. We can't just have him as a nice idea, as a box we tick, or something we think about, or we need to feed on him. And it might sound a bit grim, this eating flesh and drinking blood. What's going on there? It's a good question. I think the first step to help us understand that is that Jesus is teaching them that he must die. First of all, he doesn't just give them life by being a good teacher or, a, or an example, but by dying. And it's the same with all kinds of food, isn't it? Think about, think about your favourite meal. Uh, let's go of and mash, roasted vegetables. Okay, one of my favourite meals. If I'm going to eat that, the potatoes will have to have died, as will the pigs. As will vegetables and all kinds of things, all kinds of food will need to die before we can ingest it and and get the nutrients from it and get life from it. It turns out Jesus is quite like food, actually. Or, Or think about bread. Wheat must die for us to have bread. So Jesus says he must die for us to live, his death will bring us life. And yet we don't realise we're starving. If we do, we know something's wrong, but we look in the wrong places. So, what does it mean to eat his flesh and drink his blood, though? I don't think he's talking about cannibalism. Although there was clearly a misunderstanding in the early church, or particularly those outside the church, and the early church was accused of cannibalism. Maybe they read John 6 and it seems to be a fairly sort of straightforward reading, doesn't it? Jesus is not actually a loaf of bread that we eat. I think the most helpful way of understanding this is to look back at verse 35. And that's where he first describes himself as bread. And there he draws this parallel between him being the bread of life, It's where he introduces the concept, and he says there's a parallel between me being the bread of life and you coming to me, you believing in me. Jesus declares, I am the bread of life, whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And so for us to eat him is a question of us to come and believe and trust in him. I think that's the best way of understanding it. He's urging us to approach him like a a starving person would in the desert. Like someone who knows their life depends upon him. Depends upon trusting him.
1: And of course we're going to take
0: bread and wine in a moment. We're going to have on the Lord's Supper. And there may, may well be a sense in which that is in mind, as Jesus teaches. He had this celebration for the church later on. That we, we come to him and we believe in him and we are nourished by him. As we take bread, and remember his body broken for us. As we, as we drink the wine, remember his blood shed for us. So as we do that, we are coming to him and we are believing in him. We are appropriating his death to us. and Saying, yes, I stand for this this is where I find my life, as I trust him. So, brothers and sisters, don't try and fill yourself up on pancakes made from clay. The things that fill your bellies but don't actually work and end up harming you. Whatever those things are in your situation, in your context, whatever the things that you look to trust in and think we'll provide and nourish and satisfy. They never do. And don't just leave the bread in the bread bin for something to be admired or ignored or a box to be ticked and thought about. But rather come to him and trust him and be nourished by him and come and find life in the bread of life. And whoever feeds on this bread... Will live forever. Let me pray. Father in heaven, we do confess how easily we look for life in the wrong things. We look for satisfaction and nourishment in the wrong things. We thank you that you are a God who provides what we need. Thank you that Jesus is the bread of life. Thank you that in him we have the nourishment we need for, for this day and the next and beyond. Indeed, nourishment for eternal life. Thank you that it's through him, as we come to him and believe in him, that we can find true life as we know you, the life we were made to live. Now help us please not just to have a proverbial bread in the bread bin, just an idea, and yet not to actually come to him, not to actually trust in him. Guard our hearts that wander, please. Let me thank you for his extraordinary love for us. Thank you for his willingness to go the way of the cross. Thank you that he was willing for his body to be broken, for his blood to be shed. And as we take bread and wine now, Would we please be nourished? In his name we pray. Amen.